The customer doesn't know and you don't know either. So where do you go to provide a service that your customer will actually buy? You test it, go out and sell it. Just go for it. Today, I have a great interview with Neil, one of the co-founders of Power, and his UK-based company provides a solution that is desperately needed for business EV fleets. They did everything by the book, going out and talking to their potential customers, building a product, and then bringing it to market. But as you will see in this interview, things didn't exactly go as planned. So stick around through the entire interview and see how power shifted because they found out that the customer doesn't really know what they want after all. You're here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. So my name's Neil. That's spelled wrong. My company's called Power. That's also spelled wrong. We help businesses find power for their electric vehicles everywhere. We're a UK-based company. We're primarily focused on enabling British businesses who are out on the road needing to charge their fleets of electric vehicles to find a public charge point. We do this with two things. We've got a mobile app, which enables drivers to find the charge point with live data, tells them what kind of charger, what connector, where it is. And we've got a card because it's super simple. Start stop most people can figure that out so that's basically what we do that's awesome that's very cool and so when companies are out on the road they can just use their app and find various charge point stations how many charge point stations are out there right now where are you guys located yes we're in london there's a total of about fifty thousand charge points in the uk that runs on 80 different networks and they broadly come in two flavors the slow ones and the much faster ones the much faster ones are really used for people out on the road. They're going from A to B. They want to get to B as quickly as possible. They refuel like a petrol station. They pull in. They connect the right connector. There's a couple of different connectors out there, so you need to know which connector. And you want to get 50, 100, 150, 350 kilowatts of power into your car. And then 15, 20 minutes later, you might be back on the road and off you go. And then you've got the slower chargers, and they're more sort of 7 kilowatts, like you might find on a house, 20 kilowatts maybe. You would connect to those overnight. Your vehicle would charge overnight while you're sleeping, which is the dream with electric vehicles. And you're ready to go again in the morning. So those two broad use cases are what we're dealing with. And on our network today, we're heading up to about 9,000 connectors. So it's a long way from being universal and being every connector, but it's still getting to a pretty healthy network size. That's awesome. And are those 9,000 spread out across all the UK? Or is there certain areas with their higher hot spots yeah that's that's quite an interesting question because where charges are built is a headache for a lot of people because it's often where they're not that people complain most so we've got a, a fairly decent spread across england and wales we don't have many in scotland the scottish government has got a slightly different scheme for supporting electric vehicle charging so as a consequence we don't have the scottish network sorted but we hope we hope it will be coming soon this the big cities big towns and cities are where you see the really highest densities of charges people like london and birmingham manchester liverpool They've got heavy densities of chargers. But if you go out into the rural areas, you often find that that's where the charger density drops. So right down in the southwest and in Cornwall, out in central Wales, where it's more mountainous, more hilly, more rural, you don't tend to find as many chargers. 
So there is a question around whether this has become a bit of a haves and have-nots type scenario. But, you know, it's it's growing and it's progressing because at the beginning, when gas first started being optioned for cars and things, everybody's like, oh my gosh, you're going to need to have a gas station on every corner. That's just impossible, right? But then now we have a gas station on every corner, right? So where there's a need, there comes a place where those things become more and more popular and you start seeing them in more and more places. So at the beginning stages, you have to kind of get up to that point to make it really useful. But then as things start getting more and more useful and more people are using it, then we get to that threshold where it's like, okay, now we have it on every corner. It's as easy as gas. And and that's quite interesting observation because we are very much at the beginning of that transition. We in Europe have about 1% of all vehicles on the road that are battery electric. So, hey, presto, we have infrastructure that's been built for 1%. What it means is that we've got another 99% to go. So we can learn a lot from the 1%, but we've got to design something that works really well for the the 99% that we've still got to build for. So simplicity is going to be key. Single access is going to be key. Making sure that billing and the the payment process is really seamless is going to be really key. So there's a lot of work to do to take that 1% and get it so that it works for everyone. So there is charging available on every street corner if that's what's needed or at major motorway or highway stops as needed as well. You mentioned the billing and the infrastructure that needs to be there. Your app allows that to make it easier for like companies with fleets to have this billing system very systematized and have it all in one place, right? Yeah, so that's really a key feature of what we're doing. Sometimes I give a very boring description of ourselves as being basically a big receipts aggregator. We take all the receipts, we put them all in one place and we give them to the fleet manager. But that's hugely important because you can't have your drivers who are paid to fix boilers, mend roads, visit customers, sell things. You can't have them spending their time gathering little receipts from every single charge point. And the, the charge points don't dispense receipts. So you've got to email someone, you've got to go to a website, you've got to call someone up. Before you know it, you're wasting a lot of time getting lots of little receipts. But actually, if you have a, a simple single tool for all your drivers, you could aggregate all those receipts. Us, very boring job doing that. You can aggregate all those receipts into one bill. You've got one bill. It keeps your account team happy. It means you can manage your tax position. It's just a lot easier. Definitely. That, that sounds so much easier. I mean, anything that cuts down on having to email somebody and try to track something down, gosh, that, that just sounds awful. And so what kind of led you to thinking of solving this problem of getting it all in an aggregated area like what what led you to that hey this is this is something we could work on this is something we could solve so it's a good question my background is i spent 15 years working in large energy utilities i was lucky enough in 2007 to spend some time with government the british government writing a set of carbon budgets in what was the committee on climate change and during that period i was looking at the big chunks of emissions in the uk and energy was the primary source of emissions that we were seeing in the uk and a colleague of mine turned back to me in about 2014 and said, hey, Neil, did you know that transport is now the biggest source of emissions in the UK? And we've done a great job putting lots of renewables into the system and reducing the emissions of our big old dirty coal stations. They were all gone and they were leaving the country and getting closed down. So our emissions had dropped in the energy sector. And now transport was the next biggest problem to solve. And the electrification of transport was then something that I ended up working on with one of my previous employers, EDF Energy. And as a consequence, I was looking at solutions to offer my customers in the electric vehicle charging space. And there were lots of networks out there, but you needed a different solution for each one. I was like, this is a headache. So I sat down with my now business partner and said, hey, there's a problem here. 
there's a customer group that needs this, the businesses. Do you think we can fix it? And he was like, yeah, this sounds easy. So, hey, presto, before you know it, we built a business. We're now selling solutions to help businesses overcome some of these challenges. That's really cool. You definitely have quite a history working in this field and you're, you're very knowledgeable in these areas. That's really awesome. So, you know, you talked about how the second biggest of the emissions were from the transportation sector. So what do you see as power's role in climate change and affecting the climate crisis. There's some crazy stats out there about some of the vehicle groups that lead to that group of emissions. What you tend to find is the largest vehicles, the heavy goods vehicles, the commercial vehicles, the large vans, they represent the smallest number of vehicles on the road, but they represent some of the highest emitters on the road because they're doing the high miles, they're out every day, that you're being utilised really hard. And although there's lots of individual passenger cars for me and you to drive around, the reality is that those passenger cars don't do anywhere near the miles of these business vehicles. So when you break it down, the average UK passenger car does about two tonnes of CO2 per year as its emissions. But a, a business vehicle might do, particularly a commercial van, might do something like five tonnes of CO2. So for every commercial van you can commit to electric, you're saving two and a half times the amount of CO2 that you would if you converted a passenger car to electric. So if we can do more to support businesses to convert to electric, we'll have a greater impact on the carbon reductions that are available than if we focus purely on passenger cars. So there's a cool story in the background about enabling the businesses, the heavier users of these vehicles to switch to electric. And of course, the other side of it is the total cost of ownership. So the ability to look at all your costs, how much it costs you to buy the vehicle, run the vehicle, maintain the vehicle, fuel the vehicle is overall lower with electric. So you can see there's, a, there's an emerging uh, set of drivers beyond any sort of tax incentives that says, hey, they're fun to drive. I get a, a better cost of ownership and I'm gradually removing all the barriers to owning them so that people can go, hang on, this makes business sense. This makes economic sense. And slowly, hopefully, we'll move the wheels forward to enable us to transition that whole set of transportation to some form of lower emissions. At some point, someone always says, what about hydrogen? What about other forms of technology? Yeah, they're all out there. The one that's working right at the moment and seems to be flying into people's hands is electric. So that's why we're focusing on electric today. Right, that's so true. And there's, there's two things that I wanted to hit on that you, you mentioned. You talked about how people always bring up other alternatives like hydrogen or things like that. But what is going on right now? What is happening right now? What is useful right now? That's really important for us to focus on as well. Those other options might come into play later, but right now is important too. So being able to focus on what's working now and how we can implement it now is a great thing to do as well. Then the other point that I wanted to touch on as well was that you guys are really having this idea to really focus on businesses because those are big consumers as well. And it really just makes a lot of business sense. A lot of this energy transition is now becoming into the stages where it's not just like, oh, we're doing this because we want to be green or we want to say that we are doing environmental initiatives and really we're taking a hit on the back end. No, like it, if you're being a smart business person, you're going out for it because of the fact that it's cheaper. It has all these other benefits. So that's really, really cool. And are you going out and asking these companies, do you do direct outreach to reach to these companies to say like, hey, your your fleet could be electrified? What do you, how do you guys go about and gain more customers, gain more clients? That's quite an interesting question. To provide a bit more context to that question, we were quite an early stage business. We've formally been running for just over a year. We've kind of informally been exploring this space for a couple of years now. 
on that journey, we really needed to start by establishing there was a customer problem. And to establish a customer problem, we did exactly that. We went direct outreach to our, our potential fleet customers and said, hey, what is it you need? How can we solve this problem? Is there really a problem here? And it was really interesting because the customer doesn't always know what they want. So we, we got a lot of feedback to say, yeah, this is a problem we need to solve. We really need to work on this. You know, we need to find a way to manage all this situation. And we had this hypothesis that the business customers that were going to be most interested were going to be like utilities with maybe a few hundred vehicles and they got the first five or 10 electric. They were starting to see the problems and they were going to need to start using our solution. So these were the guys we'd interviewed. These were the guys that said, yeah, I've got a problem. I want this solution. So they told us they wanted it. Now we're out there with the solution. We're going back to them and going, hey, guys, do you want to use this solution? They're like, ah, oh, well, you know, we seem to be managing okay. And what's really interesting is we're not solving the problem for these guys. We're solving the problem for these guys. And these guys are all electric fleets. They're companies that are set up to be zero emissions deliveries, zero emissions organic veg boxes, zero emissions uh, plastic refills. You know, they're quite niche specialized companies. Many of them are small startups, local businesses, and they might have three, five, ten pure electric vans, and they know what the problem is. They live and breathe that problem. And they go, you're going to give me a single bill. You're going to give me access to all these charge points and one solution. I want that. And they're, they're loving it, these small businesses. So we started out with this hypothesis for this group, and we ended up winning in this area. And the other one that we found really interesting is we're winning over here as well. And this other group is really big forward-thinking companies. So energy utilities, like the ones I used to work for, or leasing companies who are going, hey, we need to find ways to help sell these vehicles, or this electricity, that's valuable. I want to put that onto my home electricity bill. How do I do that? So we started out with a hypothesis we're going to serve this business group, and now we're ending up serving this business group and this business group. So, hey. Customer doesn't always know what they want, but we've got a solution that seems to work. Definitely. It, it's it's hitting pain points out. Whose pain points it actually was was, was a little different <laughs> than you thought. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I think so, these guys in the middle, they'll come around over time. But at the moment, these guys are really feeling it. Right. Definitely. Very cool. Now, what is your plan in terms of social media kind of transitioning over to that that lens? With those people over here, are you talking to them out on social media or how are they finding out about you? What is, what is your plan of action there? Yeah, that's, that's a really relevant and interesting question. Technology works. Got our first customers. How do we turn the handle on those social media engines to create the right kind of funnels, the right kind of flows for customers into what we do? We're experimenting. We don't know what the answer is. And therefore, we're having to try a number of different things. We have a couple of theories. These little guys are probably the ones who are going to be most amenable to some form of digital online sign-up experience, but also through the awareness-type campaigns that you can achieve with social media. So we've tinkered a little bit in a number of areas. Website sign-up, obviously quite important. Website SEO, blogs, email campaigns. We've done a little bit of cold calling people. We've got an Instagram page, which has received some interest. We've got a LinkedIn channel, which has got some interest. We've done a little bit on Twitter, but not really getting the same cut through. But the reality is we're testing things. So right this moment where we are is drawing up a series of campaigns to understand what of those various channels might work. Is it all about Instagram? Instagram and Facebook, that's the winner. It's all about that. Or is it Instagram and Facebook, just the awareness bit? Do people just expect you to have nice pictures of EV charging on your website? And actually, when it comes to the real sell, they need a phone call. And it's quite interesting because Many of these businesses down at this end of the spectrum are small. So yes, you can make them aware of what you do through Instagram and Facebook, but we're finding 
quite a lot of them like a phone call because when you ring them up, they're on a job. They're the boss. They're the MD. They own the business. But they're also one of the drivers and they're delivering beds to their customers. So you've got to kind of ring them up and get them you know, their attention directly. So we haven't solved this by any means. And I think what we're going to establish is really a kind of checkerboard approach. Some of this is going to be about creating awareness with certain channels. But when it comes to actually making the sale, it might be all about making that last phone call to persuade them over the line. So there's, there's, I think there's a quite a nice breadth of experimentation in there we've got to explore. With the big guys, it's very different. The big guys is much more about word of mouth, much more about relationships. It takes a long time to build up those big, long B2B sales cycles. But the little guys, I'm sure we can get this better. Definitely. And, you know, that's what a lot of marketing is, is really going out there and testing different avenues and seeing what works. How did you guys, when you first were looking at this, did you first make it for that first market, you know, make your marketing campaigns thinking, oh, this is what they're going to want? Or were you adding first when you first launched? And then you were starting this and then you quickly shift over and realize, oh, these, these little guys down here, these are the guys that we want to focus on. Let's shift our messaging to that. How did you go about that transition from, oh, this is what you thought the market was to, oh, these guys are actually the ones who want it? Yeah, that's quite an interesting question because quite quickly you go, did we have a really solid plan? And did we execute on that plan? No, we didn't. We went and spoke to as many people as we could. And one of the things I truly believe in is getting as many insights from different people as possible. I'm a real horror for like just saying yes to everything. So someone asked me to be on a podcast about my small startup. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. So I will speak to everyone and I did speak to everyone. And through that journey, we kind of teased out the learnings from each of those conversations. I would love to say we had went out with a playbook and we went through the playbook and we learned that this was the way forward. No, we didn't. We spoke to everyone. We kind of tried some stuff that's starting to work. We're probably going to start putting a bit more structure behind it. And that's right where we are at the moment. Let's build out that strategy for which segments are going to appeal to what messaging sets, what's our top of funnel messaging, what's our call to action at the bottom of the funnel. So we're still working through that and learning. But one of the things I'm 100% involved in is trying to speak to the customer, understand what their language is, understand where their pain points are, and then really get a feel for where do they want to hear about me? You know, if they want to hear about me on Facebook, hey, I'll go advertise on Facebook. But actually, if they don't care about Facebook and they want me to give them a phone call, very happy to have a phone call. So we're kind of having to listen to the customer to establish what the route is. If there is a playbook out there, I don't have it yet. Well, I don't think there really is a exact playbook for any market until you go out there and figure it out. You have to test different things. And even for established companies who are who have been working in a field for a long time, they've still got to go out there and test because the market is always changing. They could be doing something one way and they're getting good enough results where they're seeing the return that they want, but then they try something new because of some circumstance and realize like, oh, we just doubled our inquiries or we just doubled the number of people who are coming in just because we tried this new thing we never thought about before. It's constantly changing. It's, on, it's a new market every day. So anybody who says like, oh, this is the secret formula, like they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so you really might, might, might have been, it might have been the secret formula for them. But will it work for you? Well, you're probably going to have to tweak it and learn. Exactly, exactly. Because every market is different, especially for every business. You know, it's a, it's a business is very unique in, in many different ways. So which one are you kind of looking to go for first starting out here in 2022? Are you looking to just focus on one specific channel, Facebook or going on the podcast? Which one are you kind of going to be focused on for 2022? 
we we're cramming rather a lot into 2022 so we've got a number of things where we're going to be running over the year which will touch on various points on that journey the next step for us is to refresh the website there's more content we want to add there's more of the story we need to tell now we know who the, the customer groups are we're appealing to more we need to work on some of the simple stuff around seo blog posts etc plus the market that we're in electric vehicle charging is changing all the time so there's loads of stuff to tell so one of the things I've been toying with is, do I want to run a regular newsletter? People who are, you know, this middle group, they're maybe not ready for this. How do I just tell them what's going on? So they remain aware, they feel comfortable, they understand what the world looks like. So I think there's a piece in there around just maintaining a dialogue with the customers. And that could be through the blog or it could be directly through some form of newsletter or an outreach. Google Ads is going to have to sit in our campaign somewhere. One of the pain points that we're dealing with is that people are going to be sat late at night trying to pull all these receipts together going, there must be a better way. So when they go and go, how do I get a receipt from an electric vehicle charge point? Boom, we pop up. So I feel like there's got to be something that sits in that Google Ads story and drives people into the story of what it is we can do to help them. But then on the sort of much more of the social side, I'm still not convinced by Facebook. I suspect there's something in there that I need to dig into. We've, you know, we've done a little bit with Instagram, mainly because I love imagery. So I've done a bit with Instagram just to tell a little bit of a story, but not really pursued it. We've got quite an interesting LinkedIn setup at the moment. Business professionals are sat there. One of the things I'm super conscious of is for these small guys, they don't really have time for things like LinkedIn. So I don't think I'm going to make a lot of impact on LinkedIn with the small guys, but I think it might work for the big guys because the big guys need to know who they're dealing with, what the knowledge level is like inside that organization. So we're going to have to think about, unfortunately, because we've got these two slightly different customer groups, slightly different campaigns. We're going to get out on the road. We've signed up for something called the Great British EV Rally. So we're going to drive from the northernmost point of Scotland all the way down to the southernmost point of England. We're going to be using power electric fuel card to charge a lot of those cars. As I said to you at the start, our Scottish network is not great. So that bit could be interesting. But further south, it should be fine. So that's going to be fun. We'll be on the road, hopefully in a nicely liveried vehicle, which we need to finalise. That should be happening during the summer. And then old school conferences. We'll probably go to a couple of conferences, a couple of events, talk to some of our customers there understand their pain points not all of them but enough to get visibility and enough to understand where our customers are and that's kind of probably the the breakdown of where our journey goes but then blogs webinars conferences web web conferences are something that we're doing some of as well so a little bit of everything and then then it's all about the test and learn you know what data do we capture what what leads come out of it what opportunities fell out through that that route yeah and I think you hit on a good point right there at the end was how are you going to know whether any of these things that you're trying out are actually effective? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the hard one, isn't it? Because for some of these routes, you can do very obvious things like how many impressions did you get? How many click-throughs did you get? What channel did people arrive at your website from and who went on to buy? So you can, you can sort of like with some of these, you can, you can put some nice quants behind them and go, hey, look, there's my funnel. 10,000 views, 100, one sale. So you've got something really nice and tidy. But if you go to a conference, people hear about you and they, they see your branding. And then six months later, they buy a product from you. How do you know that the conference was the thing that led them to introduce your business? So then you've, you've got this awkward point where somewhere in your actual sign-up funnel, you've got to ask them the question and say, hey, how did you hear about us? And I expect that some of these activities we're involved in we might not see results from before six months, 12 months time even for some of the big companies. So, oh yeah, we saw that you were sponsoring the, the Great British EV rally in the, in the summer. And, you know, we thought we'd have a chat with you six months later. So it might well be that there's, you know, quite a long lag between some of these activities. 
So finding a way for us to capture and record where the customers, you know, first got visibility of us from will be quite important. Yeah, definitely. And as your customers, they're going to go through a journey, right? They're going to go through that point when they first got initially introduced to you, but then they need a few more touch points before they even are looking to go to your website or looking to book a call or anything like that. So there was this study that was out a while back that looked at how the the buying behavior of some people, they will go through and will actually like stalk the product that they're going to buy. They'll go back in, in their search history and find out that yesterday they were watching a video on YouTube on the product. And a week before that, they were reading a review on, on this blog. And a week before that, they were listening to something else. So like you can see like through their history, they, they will actually, you know, continually come back and, and stalk that thing that they're going to buy. So you really need to have at least, you know, it's something like seven touch points and, you know, 11 hours or something like that. So it's really got to be, you know, consistent along the way. And I think as you were talking, you know, you're really saying that we're trying to be everywhere that we can be as much as possible. And that's really what, you know, this online social media presence is all about is being able to be present and have people have multiple touch points with you and come along their journey, whichever journey they go through <laughs> so that they can finally come to you. And, and the thing for me is I really want to make sure that when the customer suddenly goes, I need this solution, we're there, we're ready. Because I expect that a lot of our customers are, they're on a transition journey. They're going from their petrol and diesel fleets and they're moving towards electric. They've got so many things they need to learn on that journey. Can I put charge points at my office? Where are my drive? Can my drivers charge at home overnight? Which vehicle, you know, with which battery range, with which payload capability do I need to select? What is electricity anyhow? Uh, so you've got all of this journey that these drivers and these uh, fleet managers are going on. And at the end of it, they might go, oh, public charging. And we need to be right there. So when they go, yes, public charging is something I need. I need a solution for it and a simple solution. We're obvious. They know where to go. But getting into that part of their thinking and their consciousness so that when they get there, that we're ready for them is really quite important. Definitely. And what would you recommend for any other company who might be coming up in the green space looking to make a difference on their social media channels what would you recommend as a kind of a course of action for them going forward in 2022 yeah so i guess there's kind of two ways i can answer this there's the sort of generic glib way which is hey align yourself to world environment day and make sure you look out for you know tell people how many tons of co2 you save and all that sort of stuff but the bit that i find really resonates most with customers is understand what they want what is it that you can do that makes their life easier? Speak to them. Try and understand what it is that they're really struggling with. We had one customer who had a lovely expression. They said to us, yes, Neil, we need more green stuff. So I was like, cool, green stuff. I can do that. And when I dug a little bit deeper into what they wanted to know, what they really wanted was this was the team that was calculating the annual emissions of carbon for the business. What they wanted was data. They wanted to know the simple data that would enable them to put the right numbers into their end of year calculations. So I said, hey, guys, what would it sound like if we just gave you a zero and we told you that we can guarantee that all the electricity that goes into your public electric vehicle charged um, stations that you're using for your vehicles is zero emissions. It's all renewables backed. They were like, oh, that'd be so easy. So one of our ambitions, and I'm hoping we'll be able to announce it formally fairly soon, is that all of our electricity, wherever you consume it on a public charging network with power, will be zero emissions. And hey, presto. 100 times zero, a million times zero is still zero. So for those guys, they got more green stuff. They got the zero. 
And that's what they were looking for. They wanted to get that zero and, and you were able to provide that for them. That's really awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So just to finish up here for this last question, if anybody wants to reach out to you to learn more about power and to follow you, to watch you go on your trek across the UK, how, how can they find out more about you? Yeah. So as I said at the very beginning, we've badly spelled our business name. We are P-A-U-A. Power is for those who are in the know. This little shell from New Zealand, this is the power shell. It's a play on words. So if you want to find us on the internet, try power, P-A-U-A, and we're power tech. So powertech.com. So P-A-U-A-T-E-C-H.com. My name is also badly spelled, so you're going to have to pay attention again. I'm a Neil, N-I-A-L-L. A lot of people say Niall. Uh, so it's Neil, N-I-A-L-L, at powertech, P-A-U-A-T-E-C-H.com. And you can find me through that route or through the website. And yeah, I'd be delighted to chat to anyone about public electric vehicle charging. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. And I hope to, to have you back on here again one day. So thank you so much. Cheers, Billy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed receiving another dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of top minds in the green industries. And if you are interested in seeing the faces of the people in these podcasts or receiving free business training specifically geared to green businesses, make sure you check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of climate positivity. Oh,